Good morning, Upward family, and happy 4th to all of you. Oh, not awake yet this morning. 9 o'clock crowd, come on. Good morning. Good to see y'all. Happy 4th of July. It's a privilege to celebrate, celebrate Independence Day in this great nation. We're privileged to live in the United States. Can we give honor to the Lord and thanksgiving for our country, our land? We begin a new series today, a new series. They always say don't start a new series on 4th of July weekend, but what do they know, really? You know, we're doing it anyway. New series starting today called Parables I Never Understood, or as Pastor Matt wanted to call it, what you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> a parable is essentially a story, and Jesus was a master storyteller. In fact, somebody really smart or dedicated sat down and studied Jesus' teachings, and they've determined that about one-third of the teachings of Jesus are in the form of stories. And that is so powerful to me. I love telling stories. Now, you may ask about the title of this series, Parables I Never Understood. You may say, Pastor, you've been in ministry a long time now, and you've uh, hopefully read the Bible a lot. I've read through the Bible many times. I've read through the Gospels, the life of Christ, many, many times. And you may say, well, how's it possible there's still some things you don't understand? Well, there's a whole lot I don't understand. But how this happens to me with the parables, I'll just be honest with you, is I'm reading through it, and I've got a Bible reading plan that I want to get through. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've got a certain number of chapters I want to read. And I'll get to a parable and think, you know, I really don't get that. But i got to read two more chapters today. I don't have time to slow down. Anybody ever been in that mode in your life and in your study? Can I just tell you, sometimes you need to forget about what you got to read the rest of the day and just stop and let God speak to you out of that one part, okay? So maybe you don't need permission, but I'm going to give you permission today to just miss a little bit of your Bible reading to stop when something sticks because that may be the thing God's trying to say to you on that day. So many of these parables, I've read them and read them for years, and I just never took the time to go back and dig in and find Find out what they really meant. So this week and the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at parables that I've struggled with and maybe you have too. Today we're going to look at the story many call, a story Jesus told that many title, The Workers in the Vineyard. Now we're going to read it together, about 16 verses we're going to read together. And uh, I want you to be, I tell you what, let's not read it together. I want you to listen to me read it. And I want you to be aware of how this makes you feel because I'm going to ask you at the end. Are you ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Jesus told this story. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing, so he hired them, telling him he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon, and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock in the afternoon, this is only an hour before quitting time, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around, and he asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told him, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. 
those people only worked one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Now I ask you to think about that. Let's just be honest. How does that make you feel when you read that parable? Talk to me, church. I'm waiting. I'm going to stay here until you answer me. I heard not fair. It makes me angry. It makes me ticked off. I really get, and I heard this Thursday night as well, and I'll hear it three times again today. How does this make you feel? Angry. And, and I, I feel the same way. When I, when I read this parable, I feel totally upset. I'm mad. I'm ticked off about it. But I've come to understand that our reaction to this parable is based on our own self-righteousness. Oh, you didn't expect me to put the knife in you like that, did you? It is for me because how you appreciate this parable depends on where you put yourself in the story. And I know what you who were angry were doing because I did the same thing. And I think about 95% of the people I've talked to about this parable do the same thing as I did. We put ourselves in the position of the people who started work at 6 o'clock. The day was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And we like to put ourselves in the beginning of it that the master called us first. Am Am I right here? I'm thinking, if I had worked all day from 6 a.m., 6 p.m., 12 hours, and was promised a day's wage for it, and these guys that slid in at 5 o'clock and only worked one hour in the cooler part of the day got paid the same thing, I would be ticked off. Can I help you with this parable this morning? Can I help you with it? Here's how to understand this parable you got to put yourself in the position of the 5 o'clock crew because that's who you are. Now, let's stop and think about it now for a minute. You're in the 5 o'clock crew. You get called at the last part of the day when you didn't think you were actually going to get a job. Somebody hires you, and it's a real surprise that you got hired in the first place. You're trying to feed your family. You're looking for work. You're doing the best you can. And a wealthy landowner comes to you and says, it's 5 o'clock, but I'll still hire you anyway. And you go in and think, this is really too good to be true. I really don't deserve to be hired into this vineyard the last hour of the day because how much are you actually going to be able to get accomplished in the last hour of the day? A lot of the hard work's already been done for you. And you think, I get this job, and then you get in line, and the agreed-upon price for the day was a denarius, which we call a penny. So you get in line, and you think, first of all, I got into this because even not deserving it, so I'm going to get in line, and at least I'll get a twelfth of a penny out of this. 
at least I'll be able to feed my kids tonight. And then you come up to the pay table and they call you first to get paid. And the owner said, here is a full day's wage. Now, this is the best parable you've ever heard in your life. Can I get it, amen? Now, this thing sounds pretty good. You see, the deal is, folks, we got to get rid of our self-righteousness and stop thinking of ourselves as the one God called first and start realizing we really belong in the 5 o'clock crew. Now, you may have figured this out already, that the landowner is God. He owns everything. And he goes about looking for people to call into his vineyard to work for him, to bring people into his family that he can bless and he can love. The workers are mankind. They're the people that God wants to have a relationship, the people he wants to give a purpose to, the people that he wants to bless. But there are two types of workers. There are huge differences between the first people he hired and the last people he hired. And you got to figure out which group you want to fit into. The differences between the people tell us a whole lot about how the kingdom of heaven works. That's the purpose of this whole parable and of most of the parables. Jesus is talking and teaching about a kingdom that you can't see with your eyes, but is just as real as what you see with your eyes, in fact, more so. Do you understand that behind the kingdoms of this world and behind what goes on down here is the kingdom of heaven? Y'all, are y'all checked out for the fourth already? Behind the natural world is the spiritual world. And Jesus is teaching about a kingdom that we cannot see, but we can see the effects of it in our world every day. A kingdom we're called to live in as Christians. We're citizens of the kingdom of God first. And Jesus is telling a story we can relate to to teach us about a world that we can't see with our eyes as to how the kingdom functions. The differences between the early crew and the late crew tells us a lot about the kingdom of heaven. First of all, how they started. Let's look at how they got into this, how they began work. The first group, verse 2, says this. He agreed to pay them the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. You see, the first group made an agreement with the owner for exactly how long they were going to work and exactly what they would get paid. They had a contract in excess. The latter crew didn't have the benefit of a contract. Here's what he said to them. Now listen, he said to them, he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever. Telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. Now, now let me ask you a question. What would you prefer to get paid? A set price at the beginning or whatever? How many of you went and applied for a job and said, what's the pay? They just said, whatever. <laughs> now, the landowner in this story said a little more than whatever. The landowner said, I'll pay you whatever is right at the end of the day. So I asked myself that question, what would I want? Would I want just a set contract and know exactly what I'd pay? Or could I trust the owner to pay me what is right? And I've come to the conclusion in my own mind, 
How I would answer that question depends on who the owner is. Are you following me now? Are we starting to walk down a good path now? You see, if the owner has the heart of my father in heaven, I'm going with whatever. If the owner has the heart of my father in heaven and tells me, I will pay you whatever is right, I'm going with that. I want to submit this to you today, what I believe, one of the things this story tells us. The first workers were walking under a contract. The latter workers were in a covenant. See, a contract is secured by the court of law. A covenant is secured by the character of the Lord. A contract is saying, God, what do you want me to do for you and what will I get out of it? There are people in the world who live their relationships like a contract. And sadly, there are people whose relationship with God is more like a transactional contract. I'm going to live for God because I promised him if he would get me off that airplane that I'd serve him the rest of my days. Now, I'm glad he got you off that plane, and I'm glad you've committed to serve him. But nobody wants a relationship that's a contract. And God doesn't want that with you either. See, there's a difference in a covenant and a contract. Contracts dependent on law. Covenants dependent on God's heart. When Alex and I got married, we got married in 1994 in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Uh, And the laws of Honduras are such that you don't get legally married at the church wedding. Here in the state of North Carolina, uh, you get a marriage license before, and then you come to a pastor or whoever, and you get married. And when the pastor pronounces you, that's the moment that you're married according to the law. And you sign that paper. I've done hundreds of those. Down there, what you do is before you get married, before you go to the church, like the day or a couple days before, you go to a lawyer. And uh, the lawyer puts out these legal papers in front of you. And Alexa and I, the day before we got married, um, we went into the attorney. And we'd been working on the wedding venue. I remember we were sweaty and dusty and shorts and all just rough looking and went in to sign the paper. And we were married according to the laws of Honduras. Now, I just want to tell you, the whole thing was in Spanish. I'm not sure what I signed. <laughs> no idea. In fact, that was uh, July the 15th, 1994, that we signed that contract. I have not seen that thing from that day to this. <laughs> and can I tell you this? I don't need to. Because I don't stay with Alexa because we have a contract. I stay with her because I committed my life and my heart to her. And I'm not taking it back. And she did the same for me. And she's not taking it back. Oh, we've been through some rough roads. We've hurt. We've had some pain. We've hurt each other. But the covenant still stands. You see, a contract is based on 
you doing what you say, and because you do what you say, then that makes me do what I say. You understand that? But if you don't do what you say, then I can walk away and not do what I said. A covenant's different. A covenant is everlasting that I give you this gift and I make this commitment and I give my life to you and it's not based on what you do back for me. It's based on what's in my heart. That's how the kingdom of God works. If you're serving God today under a contract, if your relationship with God is contractual, if you've told God what you would do to serve him and you expect to get this much out of it, God has so much more for you. He invites you into his covenant love where you serve him because you love him. And your walk with him is based on his heart and his love. Secondly, I want you to see this. First of all, the kingdom of heaven is based on covenant, not on contract. Secondly, we understand the kingdom of heaven is based on grace, not on effort. Part of the thing that really makes us and stirs us up in this passage is we think, these guys didn't earn it. Neither did we. Now there's a little... In this passage, if you're not careful, the translation can kind of lead you down a wrong path of thinking. It says this of these uh, workers. It says this, and the way our brain interprets this particular thing is not the actual way it was intended. It says, he went and he found them standing around doing nothing. And you know what I picture? I picture a guy sitting there and everybody else is working and he's sitting there on his phone playing games. Now, I might play a game on my phone too, but uh, it's not time to play games when it's time to work. Amen. Sometimes it's time to work, then there's time to play. Don't mix them up. But when we read they were standing around doing nothing, I think those lazy bums, they don't deserve a job. The truth of it was this. It was, and this still happens in our world today, still happens in our country today. There are people who don't have a steady job. For many years, this would happen. They would go to a place in the marketplace in the center of town, and they would just stand there and wait. And it was a known thing that people would drive to that place when they needed day laborers. And a truck would pull up. Well, they didn't have a truck back then. A camel with a pickup on the back would pull up here. And uh, I'm making up stuff now. But uh, um, in our day, a pickup truck may pull up and, the owner says, I need three guys. I'll take you, you, and you. And then three guys would get on the truck and go off, and the rest would wait. That's what was going on here. When it says they were standing around doing nothing, the, the Bible's not implying they were lazy. The Greek word for doing nothing simply means they had not been hired yet. They were still waiting. Imagine that, though. Imagine not having a steady job. I want you to put yourself in the position of these five o'clock workers who you may have been looking down on. Imagine not having a steady job and you got children and you're trying to feed them and you go out in the morning and you wait and crews keep going away and you continue to be left behind. Nine o'clock people leave. Twelve o'clock people leave. Three o'clock people leave. And by about 4 p.m., you're thinking, it's just not going to happen. Have any of you ever been in a position where you really didn't know where tomorrow's bills were going to get paid from? 
If any of you have ever been in a position where you really did not know where the groceries were coming from tomorrow, that's one of the hardest places ever to be. I've been around people who've just been there. I've never been that bad. We've been in a situation early on when we were really pinching everything. We've been in the bologna sandwich and ramen noodles. I just got to be honest with you. A bologna sandwich still sounds good to me, but uh, uh, I'm still good with that. But uh, some of these people are in a situation where we're not going to have food tonight or tomorrow. And then at 5 o'clock, you're thinking nothing's going to happen today. We're going to be hungry tomorrow. And a guy pulls up and says, come on and work. And you think, well, at least I'll get 12th of a penny. At least I'll be able to buy a meal for the family. And then he takes you in and he says, you get a full day's pay. And you may protest and say, well, I didn't earn it. You know, I know people all the time who, I've been around people before, they want to earn everything. They want to say, I get what I deserve. Let me tell you, you don't want to tell God to give you what you deserve. Because the people who get where they, what they deserve wind up lost in hell. Jesus died so we could get what we don't deserve. It's called grace. We didn't work for this. We didn't earn it. If you're thinking in some sort of way that your good behavior is earning you a place in heaven, you're still in a contractual relationship with God, and you need to get out of that and come up under the covenant that is based on his love, not on your performance. Now, I believe in living right. I believe in doing right. But I want you to understand this. Knowing how much I'm loved by God and understanding covenant relationship inspires me a whole lot more to be holy than some rule book that I've got to live up to. Amen, amen. This is good preaching tonight, today. I don't know if you're getting it, but it's really, really good. That's the kingdom of heaven. It's through grace you're saved by faith. Through grace. Paul goes on to say, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody in heaven is going to be able to say, I earned this. Everybody in heaven is going to come and say, thank you, Jesus, for your grace. I don't deserve this, but you gave it to me anyway. I didn't even work an hour in the day. And you gave it to me. Here's the other thing, last thing today, third thing and last. The kingdom of heaven takes the last and moves them to the first. All the time. This is a principle that goes over again and again and again. Uh, there's a parable where Jesus talks about a wedding where they're throwing a big wedding party and they invite all the important guests in town. You know, they invite the mayor, they invite the city leaders, they invite all their wealthy friends and everybody has an excuse. I got to do this. I can't be there. I can't be there. So the servants come back and tell the master, uh, nobody's coming. And then he says this, and we don't really realize what this means because it's such spiritual language. He says, Go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. And that's a beautiful scripture. And we use it for evangelism. We use it for soul winning. And it's a wonderful thing. It means get out there where people are and tell them about Jesus. I could preach there just a minute today if I had time. Don't wait on them to come to church. Tell them before they get here. Amen. Good job. 
David encouraged himself in the Lord. All right, yeah. But when it says get out in the highways and byways and compel them, what they're saying is go out and bite the street people. Go out and get the homeless. Go get the people who have no food to eat and tell them there's a great wedding feast prepared for them. For the heart of the kingdom is to take the last and make them first. You know, I talk to people a whole lot, and uh, I've dealt with some things myself a whole lot. And, and some people's trauma, it's amazing to me how a lot of guys have some trauma from one particular place, the playground. I hear it over and over again. The playground. And one of the things we do as kids that's so difficult is we line up teams and we pick. You ever get involved in one of those things? Line everybody up, and then there's two captains, and the captains start picking people, right? Now, some of y'all got picked first. Yay for you. Love y'all. God bless y'all. Some of y'all have no issue with this. Let me just tell you a little something about the rest of us. The rest of us who were down at the end of the line, we suffered a little bit with that. Because nobody wanted to be in the last two or three. And nobody wanted to be the last one. Nobody wanted to be... All right, Andy over there, he's left. Come on. Man, when that happened, you didn't feel like you belonged on the team. You were just there because you were the only one left. These guys, let me tell you, why do you think the ones at 5 o'clock were still there? Because all the other worker, all the other bosses had come and gone and left them there. They just looked at him and said, I don't think I want this. These guys weren't sleeping in the bed and just rolled out of bed at 4.30. The custom of the day was to wait all day till you got a job. And these five o'clock guys, they were the last ones picked. Do you know God rejoices in going to those who feel like they're last and saying, come on to the head of the line. Come on and be first. See, that's the point of this parable. Many that are last will be first. The most humble will be tapped on the shoulder. I love the fact that God chose us. Sometimes in our theology, we believe that whosoever will may come. Right? We believe that at upper. Whoever will respond to the gospel, may come to the gospel. But I want you to hear me. And this lives in tension in our hearts and in our theology. Everybody that gets saved has to be called by God and chosen by God. You don't just wake up one day and decide you're going to get saved. The Holy Spirit comes and touches your heart and opens your heart to receive the gospel. You didn't just decide this. God called to you and he chose you divinely. And he's put you in his kingdom. For the last will be made first. I should have let you clap there. I'm begging for amens and you start and I just shut you down. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's good. (laughs) 
Oh, Lord, the last will be first. I'm going to close with a story. Tony Campolo used to tell this story. He was a sociologist, and he would tell this story. He was in Hawaii, true story, and he was speaking, I think, at a conference. He did that a long time, and he found himself really, really late at night at a uh, little greasy spoon diner. If you ever go to Hawaii, I've been one time, uh, what happens flying from the East Coast to Hawaii, you lose like a thousand hours. Uh, you leave here and you land and it's dinner time, but it's midnight there sort of thing. I mean, it's way off and you get in jail. Like he was there and he was hungry like at 2 a.m. And the only place open, he said it was literally a greasy spoon place. He said, I sat down and I wouldn't even touch the menu. That's what hunger will do to you. And he said, I couldn't even hardly touch the menu, but I finally ordered something. And he said, uh, about the time I ordered my food, in burst a group of women. And he said they were loud and a bit profane, and they were dressed really scandalously. And he figured out really fast that it was a group of prostitutes. So he's sitting there, preacher, in a greasy spoon diner. He said they all sat around me too. What a picture that would make. Preacher greasy spoon surrounded by prostitutes in Hawaii and he said I was really uncomfortable with this situation but I kept hearing them talk and he said one of them said hey tomorrow's my birthday and they all started laughing and had a big time of it and one of them said to the other what do you want a cake or something and they all got a big laugh out of it you know and they were kind of giving her a hard time because she mentioned that it was her birthday the next day well, something got inside Tony Campolo's heart and he waited and he waited and the group left and he went to the owner of the diner and he said do they come in here every night he said like clockwork every night about 2.30 they come in Tony said uh, I got an idea let's throw a birthday party for that one do you know her he said yeah her name's Agnes she comes in here every night he said let's throw a party and the owner said oh wow yeah we could do that wouldn't that be funny? That was his thought. That'd be funny. Anyway, Campolo said, uh, I'll go out and get a cake and decorations. The owner said, I can cook. Let me get a cake. I'll make the cake up. We'll put happy birthday Agnes on it. And he went out and bought a bunch of decorations. And he came back there after midnight the next night and had that place decked out. And he said, word got out on the street what we were doing and it seemed that every prostitute in Honolulu filled that diner. <laughs> they all waited and waited, and finally, at the normal time, Agnes and her friends came in, and they jumped up and yelled, Happy Birthday. And she looked around and saw the decorations, and they brought that cake out to her and gave it to her, and they said the look on her face was unbelievable. The owner of the place said, uh, said, Aggie, let's, here's a knife. Let's cut that cake and eat it. And she said, could I just look at it for a few minutes? She said, I've never had a birthday cake before. She just wanted to hold it for a few minutes. The owner's heart was moved because he began to see even what was going on. And he said, Aggie, do you just want to take it home with you? And she said, yeah, i just like to keep it. And she left, and she said, I'll be back in a few minutes, and she was taking it to her home. 
Tony Campolo said when she walked out the door, there was just tears and silence all over the diner. He said, I didn't know what to do, so I just prayed. He said he prayed for Agnes. He prayed for her on her birthday and just blessed her. And when he looked up, the whole diner was in tears. The owner came up to him and said, I didn't know you were a preacher. He said, what kind of church do you attend? He said, I attend a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. The owner said, you're lying. There's no church like that. He said, if there really was a church like that, I'd join it. Hey, kingdom of heaven is like that. It reaches the last, puts them first. Amen. Don't live in a contract. Walk in the covenant of a God that loves you. Don't try to earn your way into heaven. Receive it freely. Amen. If you're feeling last, God wants to call you to the head of the line today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your love, your grace. Thank you for this great parable that we struggle with sometimes. But God, it speaks such a message to us when we get ourselves in the right place. Today, Lord, I pray for people all over this room watching online. They've seen a relationship with you as transactional, as a contract. May today they recognize it's a covenant from you that we just have to say yes, yes. I thank you for that today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I won't embarrass you, but can I see your hand right now? I'm saying yes to the Lord that loves me. I'm saying yes to a covenant relationship with the Lord who died for me. Anybody this morning saying yes, saying yes. Can anybody say, I know God, I know Jesus, but sometimes I'm living like I'm under a contract. Pray for me. I want to walk in the covenant of grace. Can I see your hands this morning? Yep, that's a bunch of us, isn't it? I want to pray right now for those saying yes to Christ online or in here. And I want to ask the church to pray with me today. If this is you, I want you to pray with us today. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me, for giving your life that I could be saved, that I could be free. I give my life to you. I invite you to come into my heart and save me and change my heart. And from this day forward, I'm yours. Amen and amen. Can we celebrate as we stand today, folks saying yes to Christ. Stand with me today. Pretty cool to have that giving story when we're talking about the workers in the vineyard as well. Isn't it cool? Let me bless you today. Word of encouragement. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand. Amen. You're blessed with the armor of God today. Now go in the power of the Holy Spirit. I commission you. Take Jesus into this community, into your world. Love y'all. See you next week. Happy 4th of July.